How you guys doing tonight? But yeah, so if you got your Bibles, you can up to, up to the book of Ephesians. A book of Ephesians. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're opening there, let me, just, uh, let me just set up tonight a little bit about what we want to talk about. We've been talking about over the last couple weeks this series that we're in called Obscurity. Now listen, obscurity is this idea that 90% of our life is lived in, in, in obscurity. 90% of our life is, is lived maybe in the valley. 90% of our life is lived in private, not in public. We see this in the life of Jesus. That Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified, but the first 30 years of his life we know very little about. 90% of his life was, was lived in obscurity. But listen... What was built in Jesus during those years of obscurity made what was so powerful in Jesus in the years of his public ministry, the, the 10%. And I'm confident, as our senior pastor has been talking about on Sunday morning, as we've been talking about the last couple weeks, that how you live your life in seasons of obscurity will affect your effectiveness in seasons of prosperous times like the 10%. In fact, I would even submit to you that if you compromise in times of seasons of obscurity, you will sacrifice the 10%. You will sacrifice the more that God has for you. And more is the word. See, the Bible says that he has immeasurably more for us. Immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, hold on a second. Like when I think of my life right now, I am not thinking of more. When I think of my life, I am not thinking of greater things. When I look at my life right now, I feel like it's in shambles. I feel like things are falling apart. I feel like things are out of place. I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. I have anxiety. I don't know what the heck is going on in my life right now. And more is not the word that defines it. Let me tell you something that's really cool. As we were closing in on this new year, I began praying and asking God to just reveal himself to me and where he would take this student ministry. And literally, God spoke this word to me, and the word was more. That there's more. That this year is going to be a year of more. And that was exciting. We talked about that back in January on Night of Vision. Now, here's the cool thing about it. I met with my adult leaders in January. I was sharing with them just kind of what God had been laying on my heart, this idea of more. What I did not know was is that at the same time, our middle school pastor at this campus, Stephen Perry, who meets on Wednesday nights, he was meeting with his adult leaders, and he was sharing the same thing. He said, I've been praying, and God has laid it on my heart, this word, more. We had not talked to each other. We have not spoken with each other about it. I did not even know what God had laid on his heart. And April Hagen, our spiritual formations director for high school, middle school ministry, comes to me and says, dude, you won't believe this. Well, you were talking about tonight, that is what Stephen has been talking about to his leader. The same word God had laid on his heart and his mind. Listen, that's God. That is orchestrated by him. That just doesn't happen out of the blue. And this year has been a year of more. And I believe we are just getting started with what God has for us. And this is, this is what I'm telling you. I believe that God has more for your life. God has more for your life. And what that means is, is that, that God wants to take you deeper. Where the more is, is in maturity. We are not about building a ministry with just a bunch of students to come every week because we have fun, which we do have fun, and because we have amazing worship, which we do have amazing worship. But we, we are coming into this place. We want to develop you and help you grow to a place of maturity and growth in your walk with Christ because we believe that that is where the full life that God has for you, that is where the more is located. 
See, the reason that many of you have never experienced a life of more in your life is because you have never went to the depths that God has designed you to go with Him and in your relationship with Him. And I know that to be true because if you were at those depths, if you were at those places with Him, there would be no reason why you wouldn't be impacting your school, impacting your friends, impacting your sports teams, impacting everything in your life in ways that you can never even imagine because the power of God would be working in you and through you. That you would be getting victory and freedom over sins and struggles and temptations in your life. This is a big deal. See, I believe that God has more for you. I believe that God has more for me. And I believe that God has more for us corporately. And we have an opportunity this week. We have an opportunity over the next week just to be inviting people to what's going to happen next week at our Back to School Bash. It is going to be incredible. I'm just telling you right now, we don't even know how many people are going to show up here tonight. It's going to be insane. But let me tell you something. You have the responsibility. You are bearing a part of the load to go invite your friends, to go and bring people in here that you know that are spiritually unresolved. I don't want you to go out there and invite a whole bunch of people to go to a whole bunch of other youth groups. I want you to go out there and invite your friends that you know are spiritually unresolved, spiritually who need spiritual guidance, spiritual counsel, who need to encounter Jesus in a fresh way, who need to hear the gospel, because that's what we're going to be talking about that night. And people's lives are going to be changed. And for some of you in this room, your life is going to be changed. And listen, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to, to get people to come and to be a part of. We're going to have the snow cone truck that's going to be giving out free snow cones. We're going to have free pizza next week. We're going to have, we're going to have Jared Hall, who is, who is a, a world-renowned illusionist, who's going to be doing a 30-minute show in here around 6, 6 o'clock. He's also going to be doing the first 30 minutes of the Back to School Bash, <coughs> doing some big tricks and stuff in there. It's going to be pretty sick. We also have 10 Steps Back. A band, a local band from Buford that's going to be playing out on the bridge as people are getting here and just putting on a concert outside during the pregame part of it. we got some unbelievably cool stuff that's going to be happening inside of our service. We have several thousand dollars worth of giveaways we're going to be giving away that night, including a giveaway to whoever brings the most friends. We're going to be giving a $20, uh, uh, we're going to be giving a $20 VIP the Chick-fil-A party deal thing so you can go and get all, eat all the Chick-fil-A you want with 20 of your friends. And then, that's if you bring the most friends, but then everyone is going to have the opportunity to win Chick-fil-A, 52 meals from Chick-fil-A. In other words, you can have a different Chick-fil-A for free for an entire year every single week if you wanted to. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And everyone's got the opportunity to win that gift, that prize. Listen, we're doing that for one reason and one reason only. We're doing that. We're doing the Back to School Bash next week because we are on mission. We believe that God has more for us. We believe that God has more for you. We believe that God has more for your friends. And we are on mission. And this church is on mission. That is the reason that last weekend at 12 Stone Church, at all four of our campuses, was the largest attended Sunday in the history of 12 Stone Church outside of, like, Easter. Incredible. Yes. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. See, God is doing some big stuff. He's doing some big stuff in our ministry here. But let me tell you where the more come from. Let me, let me settle this. Let me bring this down. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. I'm going to hit this, and we're going to get to it. It says this. To prepare, <coughs> he starts out, he says, uh, and, and the whole idea is how do I gain maturity in my faith? How do I go deeper? How do I get past just the surface? This is where it is. Listen to this. He says, to prepare God's people for works of service. So he starts out and he's talking about, hey, listen, this is what happens if, if, you, if you are God's people, if you are a part of the family of God, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, this is how you get prepared for works of service. And so if you are serving in ministry, if you're not serving, then you should be serving. And this is what he's talking about. How do we get prepared for that? Listen, he says, so that the body of Christ 
may be built up. In other words, we do this, we prepare ourselves for ministry and to serve other people so that the body of Christ, the church, can be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. He says, listen, what's going to happen here is, is that as we get involved in this, we begin to prepare for works of service, that God is going to be build up the body of Christ. And then what's going to happen is, is that we're going to become unified with each other. We're going we're gonna to become unified. We're going to become a family with one another. Then we're going to know each other intimately, deeply. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit later. We're going to have a relationship with each other. Becoming a family. That is the design of the church. It isn't to be cliques. It isn't to be division. It isn't to be separation. It is to be unified with one another. Then he goes on and he says, he says, and in the knowledge of the Son of Man and become mature. We come here so we can grow in knowledge, so we can hear from his word. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is how we get the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunningness and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemings. Notice what he says here. He says, hey, listen, there needs to be this maturity that happens in your faith. You need to be prepared for works of service. You need to be serving other people, but a part of that is being prepared. And a part of the preparation time is, is getting knowledge, is understanding the Bible, getting some of this time that we have together, getting involved in life groups, connection groups, those kind of things, so you can grow in your faith, so that you can become mature. Because here's the deal. Every person who calls themselves a follower of Christ, who is a new Christian, is an infant. As my wife is having a baby, something that sticks out to me is, is that, like, I don't know what to do with a baby. Like, the babies, they're going to hand the baby to me, and I'm going to, like, hold it by the feet. Like, what the heck do I do with this thing? You know, I don't know. I don't know what to do with a baby. I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I don't, I'm not a preschool pastor. Like, I don't even, like, I, I've, I've held, like, maybe five babies in my life. I've never changed the diaper. Like, the, my world is about to change, people. But here's the thing about, and I'm excited. The thing about an infant is this, though. An infant is fully and completely dependent upon its parents, upon its father and mother. And see, apart from that dependency on its father and mother, apart from that, a baby would die. A baby would, would not be able to sustain itself. And notice what he says here. What he's saying here is, hey, listen. When you give your life to Christ, you are an infant. You are a baby in the faith. When you get over to Peter, Peter says, like newborn babies crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. In other words, he's saying, you are a newborn baby and you crave the word of God, spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in maturity. There's an idea all throughout scripture that we are to grow up into maturity. And so, well, that was weird. There's this idea in Scripture that we are to grow up in maturity, grow up in our faith. Because what happens is this, is that if we don't, let me tell you what happens. We can't sustain ourselves. We die. Our faith dies. And we wander through life aimlessly. And so the first point that I want to hit with you guys tonight, we talked about this actually in a series last year. You can go and check out the series on, online in our podcast. I spent actually an entire week on each one of these things. I want to hit each one of them. The first one that I want to hit is this. Is the first one I want to hit is the core. Is the core. God. 
See, a part of the mission of 12 Stone Church, as we were talking about earlier, that as we are on mission is this, is that the mission of 12 Stone Church is that we exist to inspire life, share life, and give life. Because Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You may have life to the full. And so how do you have a full life? How do you have it to the full? Well, it begins, how do you grow to maturity? It begins with you putting God at the core of your life. That the core of your life, the center of your life is Jesus. The center of your life is him and in everything that he is about. And let me tell you something. You cannot put God at the core of your life if you are at the core of your life. See, what happens is this. What happens is, is that our allegiance... Our allegiance is divided to other things in our life because we are searching for, for approval from other things in our life. This is the second temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 that PK talked about on Sunday. See, what happens is, is that we seek the approval of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We seek the approval of our friendships around us. And what happens is, is that when our allegiance is called into question to God or to our friends, we always lean into our friends because where we seek approval is where our allegiance will be to. And so if we say, God, I love you, God, God you, are, you are my everything, God, you're, you're whatever, and then we get into a relationship with a girl, we get into a relationship with a guy, and what happens is, is that we want their approval so bad that when they start crossing lines, when they start tempting us to cross lines, we have a decision to make, we have a decision to keep our allegiance to God or to keep our allegiance to them, and if we desire their approval over God's approval, listen, people, this is what we do, we will give our allegiance to them every single time. And we will fall in temptation every time. See, our allegiance, number one, must be to God. God must be the core of our life. Jesus must be at the core and the center of our life. He must be our everything. And listen, in order for him to be our everything, sometimes we have to sacrifice the things that we have allegiance to. PK explained this so eloquently on Sunday, our senior pastor. I want to show you a quick clip of, of something that he talked about on Sunday. Check this out.
committed to God, our creator, our allegiance. We have committed our allegiance to our creator. But unknowingly, we have equally committed our approval to the crowd. And where you look for approval, if it is the crowd, the world, that is actually where you will give your allegiance. It doesn't really matter what you say. It's really what you do. See, the truth matters. So good. So good. See, as a Christian, we say that we give our allegiance to our Creator. But what happens is, is that we begin to seek approval from the crowd. And in reality, when we say that we are giving our allegiance to our Creator, in fact, what we are actually doing is, because we are seeking the approval of the crowd, that we are actually giving our allegiance to the crowd. So that when our allegiance to God becomes under fire by the allegiance that we have to the crowd, we will buckle under the pressure of the temptation every single time to follow the crowd. So how do I get mature in my faith? This is what he says here in this passage. He says, like infants blown and tossed by the wind. Blown and tossed by the wind that, that sometimes you're over here and things are spiritual and sometimes you're over here and things are desolate and sometimes you're over here and things are godly and sometimes you're over here and things are ungodly. Sometimes your allegiance is to God. Sometimes your allegiance is to the crowd. Listen, you're being blown and tossed by the wind. Let me tell you something. Here at this high school ministry, we want to meet people wherever they are on their spiritual journey and lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you are far from God, whether you don't believe in God, whether you don't believe in the Bible, whether you don't believe in anything. It's all the way to the person who has led 50 people to Christ this year. We want to meet you wherever you are on your spiritual journey and lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're spiritually unresolved, we want you to find truth. We want to help you seek truth. If you're already a believer, listen, we want to make sure that you are not being blown and tossed by the wind. We want to make sure that you get grounded, that you get mature, that you go deep in your walk with Christ. And that begins by, by making that the core of your attention. Now listen, you cannot go deep in your walk with Christ unless you have community with one another. And that's why the second ring of this concentric circle is community. And also the second part of the mission of 12 Stone Church is that we exist to share life. We want to share life with one another. In fact, the Bible tells us and is clear that we were created for community. We are created for relationship, relationship with one another. In fact, we see this even in God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity in perfect relationship with perfect love, perfect joy, perfect community with one another even before he ever even created the earth. God was in perfect community with himself. You ever wondered that before? I used to wonder that all the time. Even when I was a new Christian, I used to wonder, man, was God not bored before he created all of us? I mean, if God has always existed, then I mean, was he not bored before he created us? No, he wasn't. Because God was in perfect relationship with himself inside of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God and three persons. And what happens is this. Is that God decided that he was going to create man. That he was going to create the earth. He was going to create everything. And God created man as the chief of his creation. He created us in his image, the Bible tells us. We are the chief of his creation. So that that relationship that God has with himself can then be manifested and given to each other as we are in relationship with one another. 
That's the reason I think that when Jesus was asked by a lawyer, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. Community. The first one was, love God with everything that you have. He has got to be the core. And the second of these is community. Listen, the lawyer asked him what the greatest commandment is, but Jesus answered him with two things. Love God and love others. Why does Jesus do that? I don't think he could separate the two. See, it's impossible to love God and not love other people. It is also impossible to to be in relationship with God and not understand that God created us not only for relationship with him, but relationship with each other. We see this even in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. Adam is in the garden. Eve has not been created yet. Sin has not entered the world. Nothing has been distorted. Nothing has been destroyed. And God says it is not good for man to be alone. Hold on a second. What do you mean it's not good for a man to be alone? Adam's not alone. He has you, God. Are you not enough? Well, of course God was enough. But God desired for Adam to have more. God desired, listen, God desired, there's the word, God desired for Adam to have more. And how could Adam have more in his life? How could he experience the more? How he could experience the more is God puts Adam to sleep and creates Eve. And he creates a- another person for him to be in relationship with. We see this all the way in the core of who God is and how he even created with Adam and Eve. We are designed for relationship. We are designed for relationship with God and relationship with each other. And let me tell you something. This is a big deal. In fact, this is why married people live longer than people who are single. Do you know that? Married people live longer than people who are single. Let me give you the research. Single men have a mortality rate that is 250% higher than married men. Single women have a mortality rate that is 50% higher than married women. Nine out of ten married men and married women live to 65 years old. Nine out of ten. Six out of ten single men live to 65. And eight out of ten of single women live to 65. In fact, having a spouse can decrease your risk of dying from cancer as much as knocking ten years off of your life. Single people spend longer in the hospital and they have a greater risk of dying after surgery than married people. That is research, scholarly research, medical research. But that's not confusing to me because God tells us that. God tells us that. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. That's the reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Man, I don't want to get married, man. I won't be held down by no ball and chain. I won't have my life, man. I won't be a player forever, player for life. Dude, let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. I don't know what your family marital situation looks like, and I don't know what your views are on marriage, but let me tell you this. God created it to be an incredible, incredible, joyous experience between a man and a woman to where his, his relationship with himself would also be shown between a husband and a wife. And marriage is awesome. I love it. 
And my wife and I, as a result of our healthy marriage, now I have a child on the way. And we're excited about it. Sorry to rub that in, people. What's the point? Here's the point. The point is, is that you have to have friendships and relationships. You have to have community with one another. You have to have communi- community with people. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, well, I'm introverted. I hate crowds, I hate people, and I hate talking. <laughs> so somebody say, amen. So hands going up. That's me. You ain't that introverted. All the introverted people are like ducking down. Oh, I think he's talking about me. I think he's talking about me. Right? But that's what we do, right? And, and, and what you have to realize, introverted people, is that God created you for relationship. God created you to be with each other, to have friendship. In order for you to find the fullness of life that God has for you, the more that God has for you, you need relationships with other people. This is so important. In fact, the Bible, in the Bible, there are over 120 one another statements. In other words, things like love one another. Confess your sins to one another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, I just put some of them up on the screen here for you. Some of the one another statements. Love one another. And I put the scripture aside. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Comfort and agree with one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Submit to one another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 120 one another statements. In other words, the Bible is clear that life was meant to be lived in community with, with each other. You want to know why you fall in temptation so many times? It's because you don't have people around you that are going to battle with you, that are supporting you, that are helping pick you up when you fall down. That's the reason one of my favorite verses I mention all the time in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two are better than one. If one man falls down, he has someone there to help him up. But listen, most pitied is the man who falls down and has no one there to help him up. We all need people who can support us in our life to carry us through times of difficulty, to walk through life with us. And we have to share life with each other. We want to share life with each other. That is why everything that we do here in this high school ministry is strategically designed so that you can build community with one another. From 6 to 7 every single week, we have the doors open, music going, Starbucks open, little game going out in the lobby, all that kind of stuff. It is intentional. We want you to come at 6 o'clock. I know some of you are like, man, I'm going to show up at 7.15. Don't show up at 7.15 unless you have to because of your job or because you have sports or something like that. But, man, we want you to come at 6. Why do we want you to come at 6? Because we want you to hang out with one another. We want you to get to know each other. We want you to build relationships with one another. You're like, well, I don't like that girl over there. I don't know her. Maybe the reason you don't know her is because you've never tried to get to know her. Go over and talk to her. You might find that you have more in common with each other than you think. We want to make a large ministry feel small. We know that it can be intimidating for a person to walk in this room and see hundreds of high school students and feel like, man, I am the only person here. I mean, you can be in a crowd and still feel lonely. In fact, studies show that one in five people say that they are completely and utterly alone and lonely. Yet they are surrounded by crowds all the time. I know, I know that's the truth. I know that some of you feel that way. See, we are designed and created for relationship with one another. That's why we have connection groups, which start up the week after, uh, the week after back to school bash next week. It's two weeks from the night, connection groups begin back. And what are connection groups? Connection groups are a time that we break out from around 8.20 all the way until 9 o'clock for you to go with your high school, to go into different areas of the building. And so, like, you know, like, 
Collins Hill guys are in a room, and Collins Hill girls are in a room, Mountain View guys are in a room, Mountain View girls are in a room, Mill Creek girls are in a room, Mill Creek guys are in a room. And this idea that we want you to build co- uh, community with one another, to make a large group feel small, because we want you to build relationships. Some of you are like this. Some of you are like, hey, yeah, you know what? Like, like I think I'm just going to get on out of here and get home a little early, you know? Like play a little video games before I go to bed or something like that. Let me tell you something. You are missing out on a major thing that we have designed in this place so that you can have the more for your life that God has for you. It's community. It's relationship. Ladies, pay attention. It's community. It's relationship. That's why we do connection groups. That's why we do that. And that's why tonight, when this is over, we're going to hang out out here for a little bit. And then we got some 15% off coupons for Swirls yogurt up the road. For anybody that would like to go up to Swirls and get some yogurt right up there past little, like the Gwinnett Stadium or whatever. And, uh, and it's, it, is, it is amazing. And, uh, and get some of that yogurt and just kind of hang out together. We want to hang out with each other. But listen, it's not just about hanging out and having fun. We want to have deep community, deep relationships with with each other. We live in a world that keeps everything on the surface. You know what I'm saying? Like like we want to keep everything on the surface because we don't want anybody to know that that we got stuff in our life that we need to talk about. And this is what I know. Every person in this room has some stuff in your life. I got stuff in my life. And I got a community of people that I talk to about the stuff in my life. That ask me the tough questions, that keep me accountable, that walk through life with me, that can support me because I'm not perfect and I can't do it alone. I need God and I need other people in my life to support me and help carry me through. I need that and you need that as well. We have to have community. There's a depth. In fact, one commentator says this. We talk about fellowship. We have these fellowship events and all this kind of stuff. And we say, and he says this, there is no concept of fellowship in the original language or the Greek or the New Testament that suggests having fun with one another. We think, oh, we had a pool party, we had fellowship. No, 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 no. Fellowship, fellowship only exists when depth happens. Let me tell you something. That is why we do life groups. So we do connection groups on Thursday nights, but we do life groups. If you're new with us, you're a freshman, you'll know about that. We do life groups, and we do them on Sundays. We do them from 4.30 to 5.45. This is a huge part of our ministry here. In fact, I think it's the most important thing we do. I tell my life group leaders, you are the tip of the spear of this ministry. You are the youth pastors to your life group. That is what you are. See, this is what happens on Thursday night. There's not enough time for us to go one-on-one or in a small group with each other and go deeper with each other, deeper in our faith, to be challenged to the level of maturity that we believe is necessary in order for you to grow to that place where you can have more. And so we created these things called life groups. And let me tell you something. Life groups are not my idea. They are Jesus' idea. We model it completely after Jesus' ministry. What did Jesus do? Jesus went. He asked 12 guys to follow him. He poured into and invested his life for three years into these guys. These guys ate where he ate. These guys slept where he slept. These guys walked where he walked. These guys saw him do ministry. These guys saw him do everything. They did life together. Walking with Jesus every day. They didn't just walk with Jesus every day, but they walked with each other every day. And let me tell you something. These 12 men, in fact, one of them fell. 
And 11 of those men then carried the gospel that Jesus placed it on their back to carry the good news, the message of his death, burial, and resurrection to what we know Christianity to be today. Spread through these 11 men. The power in that. Can you imagine that if your small group of guys and small group of girls within your school get together, and, and by the way, this is why we do them by school. We model, it at, we model it after Jesus. What we know about the disciples is that they were always in close proximity to each other. This is why we quit doing grade groups. It doesn't make sense for a person who goes to Mountain View to be in a small group with someone who goes to Brookwood to also be in a small group with someone who goes to Jefferson. They never see each other throughout the week. And who drives the 45 minutes? to the house it makes no sense but we decided that since the disciples were in close proximity to one another we wanted to be in close proximity to one another so we do groups by schools because we believe that if you can come together as a school and unite and grow together in faith with one another that you can see each other in the hallways you can keep each other accountable you can keep each other in check you can love on each other you can pray on each other you can ask someone to pray for you if you're having a rough day and know that they're going to do it and then we can begin to launch ministry onto the campuses of our schools and watch God do something miraculous and amazing through your your ministry as a body and a family of Christ as you grow to maturity in your faith. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. Listen, this high school ministry has grown by about 200 students in the last year and a half. And all we've done is model our entire ministry after Jesus' ministry. And this is why you need to sign up for a life group. Because there's a more for you. There's another level. There's a maturity there for you that you need to go to in your faith. Some of you are, are, are just, just treading water and, and are, are just wondering why you're drowning in every area of your life. And you're like, man, like I prayed to receive Christ. I got baptized. And I just feel like I'm treading water. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. Maybe it's because you don't have a personal time with God. And maybe the reason you don't have a personal time with God is because you don't know how to have a personal time with God. And the reason you don't know how to have a personal time with God is because you're not in a life group talking to your leader about how you can have a personal time with God. So that you can get that going and have people help you with that and walk you through that in your life. And that is how we inspire life. That's how we share life with one another. So important. This is the core of who we are. This is how we do ministry here. We share life together. We do ministry with one another. And the cool thing about it is, is that about these life groups is that, and something that I want to challenge you with is that consistency is key. Hebrews 10 says this, tell, he says this, he says, do not stop meeting together in Hebrews chapter 10. Like, don't stop meeting together, like, like be consistent. Listen, that's why we have sign-ups for life groups. We have sign-ups for life groups because we want people who are serious about growing deeper in their walk with Christ to make a commitment to be in a small group for 12 weeks. They begin here in several weeks in September, uh, uh, and uh, the second Sunday in September is when registration ends, so you have a couple more weeks to sign up. But the reason we have sign-up deadlines is because we don't want people just thinking they can pop in six weeks into a life group. We want you to be consistent. We want you to sign your name and say, hey, I'm committing to this. Listen, consistency and commitment isn't showing up three times. You've got to show up every week. And you got to grow and you got to support each other and be there for each other. And this is, this is who we are. And let me tell you something. If you do this, if you get signed up for a life group and you stay committed and consistent, group, let me tell you something. Your faith will go to a place that has never been before. 
And your life will go to a place that's never been before. And you will experience the more that God has for you in a place, that, in, in a way that you have never even imagined. You say, Derek, I'm skeptical. I don't believe you. Test me. Give it a semester. Give it a semester. You say, well, there was this girl in the group, and I shared something, and then she shared something out. Listen, we, have, we, are, we are under strict confidentiality in these life groups. In fact, it will be talked about at the first night of every life group. I tell our life group leaders, if someone in the group shares something that someone opens up about in the group, outside of the group, that person is no longer welcome to ever be in a life group in this ministry again. You say, that's harsh. Maybe it is. But we want to protect the people that are in these groups. I know there's guys in here right now, you are, you, you are eat up with porn. You can't stop looking at it, you're addicted, you're, you're stuck, you can't break free. Do you think you can do that alone? No, you can't. And here's the reality. You'll get into a life group and you'll open up and say, man, my world's falling apart. I, I, I'm looking at porn every day. I got my schedule wrapped around it. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to get victory. And then you're going to have five other guys in that group to say, man, I struggle with the same thing. And you say, all right, we're honest with each other. Let's do business with God. Let's support each other. Let's keep each other accountable. And watch what happens as each guy begins to get victory and freedom over that sin in their life that will wreck their marriage one day and wreck their family one day. And wreck their view of sex. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's powerful. Tap in. Sign up for life groups. This is so important. Please, sign up for life groups. There'll be sign-ups out in the lobby afterwards. Sign up for life groups. Get connected. Stay committed. Stay consistent. Because this is what I know. The community is central to the outworking of God's purposes in the world. Community is central to the outworking of God's purposes in the world. Listen, God never designed the message of the gospel to go out by an individual. He designed it to go out by the church, by a community, by a group of believers. And so what we believe is, is that if you can build a community and a life group together with people from your school and you're growing together in faith by them, then what you can do is you can go start ministries on your campus and do big things with God. You know what's cool about that? There are about five schools that are represented in this room that have ministries on their campuses right now because of students in this room and life groups in this room who got pumped up about Jesus and said, we want to start something on our school to make a difference in our school. To take the ministry off of Thursday nights and to put it into their schools so that other people's lives can be changed by it. And in our life groups this year, we're going to challenge people to do ministry outside of there. And that leads us to the outside circle, which is concern. Or give life. But we are also called to give life. And that comes out of as we share life in community, God then gives us this maturity within us so that we can now give life to others. This is why if you want to serve in one of the ministries like middle school ministry, children's ministry, etc. If you want to serve on our worship team, you want to serve in all this kind of stuff. This is why we are so hardcore about saying, hey, you can't serve in those ministries unless you're in a life group. Because we know that there's a level of maturity that comes out of this that will help you be more effective in this. And when we, whoa, I'm about to fell on my face. When we, say, when we start talking about serving, when we start about serving, listen, Jesus modeled this, right? And listen, Jesus did this out of community. What does he do? Look how he leads the disciples. After they had been following him for like a couple years, and it was a couple years after they'd been following, then Jesus sends them out two by two. He still doesn't send them out alone to do ministry. You never see Jesus doing ministry alone. You never see disciples doing ministry alone. And you never see the people in the New Testament doing ministry alone. Never. They always have people with them as they're doing ministry. 
And so we get to lock arms and do ministry together, to have concern for other people, to serve other people and serve the church. And this is what I know. We live in a consumer-driven culture. And it's all about me, that, that we almost feel entitled that, like, the church owes us something. And so what we do is we come every week. We come on Sunday mornings. We get to experience and enjoy an awesome service. We come on Thursday nights, and we get to enjoy and experience an awesome service. We come and we just soak in and we take and we take and we take and we never give back. And our parents don't either. And we watch our parents attend church every week. They don't give their time. They don't give their talents because God has given them gifts if they are a follower of Jesus. The Bible tells us that God gives every believer spiritual gifts. They don't give their, their tithe. They don't honor God with their finances. They don't honor God with any other area of their life. But they come every week. They call themselves Christians. And all they are is infants being blown and tossed by the wind. Let me tell you something. The Bible is clear. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What that literally means is, is that Jesus' greatest act of service to us was that he went to the cross. God humbled himself, came and took on the form of a man, lived here on the earth, was tempted in every way that we're tempted, yet without sin, and goes to the cross to die on the cross to give the ultimate act of service and sacrifice for your sin and for my sin so that we could be now placed in right relationship with God because no one in this room and no one of all of history could have done it on their own. It is only by the power of God that you are able to even be restored to God through Jesus Christ. I mean, that is so powerful. I mean, what if Jesus says, you know what? I'm too busy to serve people in that way. Let them save themselves. We would be hopeless. But we do it all the time. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to do this. I'm too busy to do I'm too busy to come to, the, to high school at 12 Stone on Thursday night. I'm too busy to come to church. I'm too busy to get into the Bible. I'm too busy to do this. No, 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 no. You're not too busy. What you've done is, is that in your life, you have said yes to everything that you want to do and no to everything that God has for you. See, every time you say yes to something in your life, you are saying no to something that God has for you in your life. Every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, it is not my place to convict you on what those things are. That's God's deal to do business with you when it comes to that kind of stuff. But you're not too busy. You think you're too busy, but you're not. You say yes to the things you say yes to because those are the things that you want to do. But if God was a priority in your life and if he was at the core of your life, you would say yes to more of him. I promise you would. He would be the priority. You would make time to get into the word. You would make time to be in a life group. You would make time to serve the church. Because that would be a priority to you. And we are all called to serve. And what happens is, is that sometimes we look at serving as an event. And so we say, oh yeah, well man, I served in CIA. I served in, you know, I served at Collision. I served at Serve Day earlier this year. Man, I went on a missions trip. And so we pat ourselves on the back and we say, hey, how you doing with serving? Man, I'm doing great. 
But listen, what you miss is you miss the heart of a servant. See, what happens is that when you place God at the core of your life, you get into a life group or a place of community where you share life, you begin to grow to maturity. And what happens is, is that all of a sudden you don't serve because you have to or to check something off your list or to be a good Christian to pat yourself on the back. You serve the people around you because the love of Christ is so deep in you, you can't help it. Let me give you a perfect example of this. The high school ministry assistant for this ministry, her name is Sandy Knapp. Many of you guys know Sandy. Let me tell you something about Sandy. Sandy is a humble servant of God. And Sandy does not serve because Sandy has to serve. She serves because she wants to, because it is everything within her. It, is, it, it just bubbles out of her because she spends time with God, because she has community, because she's mature in her faith. Let me tell you something. If you get to that place of maturity in your walk with Christ, let me tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen is, is that you are going to begin to love on people the way you never have before. You are going to serve people in ways that you never have before. And you are going to see your influence go off the roof. And you're going to see God do something through you that you never thought possible. And that more is going to become a reality for you. And I want that for you. God wants that for you. God wants that for you. And so, this is why this is the mission statement of our church and the mission statement of this high school ministry. You say, Derek, why do you, why do you, why do you tell us this tonight? I tell you this tonight because the next week is going to be insane. We are going to have the opportunity to see hundreds of people's lives change forever. You realize that through the four campuses of 12 Stone Church, that we will probably see somewhere around 2,500 students come through a back-to-school bash next week, either at this campus or at another. Dude, that is exciting. And you were set on mission this week. I want to ask every person in this room, I want to ask you to be praying for the people that you're going to be inviting next week, that God would open up their heart and mind that they would come to this place. We're not even going to meet in this room next week. We're going to meet in the, in the big room next week because we're not going to be able to fit in this room next week because there's going to be so many people here. And the only way that's going to happen is if you get after it. If you say, hey, man, I'm going to text everybody. No, I'm going to get them here. Let me tell you something. Next week, we're going to deliver. You don't have to worry about that. It is going to happen. God is going to deliver next week. It is going to be amazing. It is going to be incredible. And you have the opportunity next week to, to give life to other people, to show concern for them, to say, hey, listen, bro, I want to invite you something. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be an illusionist there. There's going to be bands there. There's going to be food there. There's going to be snow cones there. You can, how, who can resist snow cones? Or Chick-fil-A. Jeez. I'm telling you what, man, if Chick-fil-A was crack, I'd be an addict. I'm just telling you right now. But seriously, I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, we have this awesome opportunity next week. And listen, we have an opportunity to see God do more. Let me tell you something. Let, let me just put some things in perspective for you. Two weeks ago was the first night that school started back. Last year on that night, last year on that night, we had 220 students here. Last year on that night. This year on that night, listen, this year on that night, we had 312. 
Last week, if you back up one year from last week, we had 168 students here one year from last week. Last week, we had 306. Every week, we've been adding more chairs. I don't know how many people we have in here tonight, but we got a crap ton of people in here. What's up? How are you guys doing in the back back there? I can't even see you, but y'all look really good. Yes, I see some fist pumps back there. And the other row back there, I guess, is probably asleep, but it's all good. That's what happens when you sit in the back, you fall asleep. Can't, yeah, yeah, my man back there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, so... And so what happens is this, what happens is this, that, dude, 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 listen. Last year, we had, back to school bash week, 370 students here. Let me tell you something. I am praying for next week for us to have over 600 students here. I think it's easy. I think it's going to happen. I think you're going to get after it and it's going to happen. Thousands of giveaways, thousands of dollars in giveaways. I mean, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's going to happen next week. And let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Up until December of last year, outside of the back-to-school bash, our biggest night was 250. We're already past that now. Dude, we grew by like 140 people like in that, in that, that short little time span there. Let me tell you something. You watch out, bros and gals. Like, we're going to have chairs everywhere. We're going to have to tie chairs on the ceiling just to fit people in here, man. It's going to be crazy. But let me tell you something. Let me, let, let me just make it clear. It is not about the number. It is about the people because every one of those numbers represents a person that God loves, that God cares about, that God desires to become an infant in their faith, to put him at the core of their life, to share community with each one of you in this room so that they can have concern for other people, so that the gospel could be spread, so that the good news of Jesus can be spread, so that people's lives could be changed and that they would never be the same because they have encountered the one true living God. Period. That's what it's about. The last, uh, last thing I'm going to say, and we're done. The last thing I'm going to say is this. Is that additionally, on all your chairs tonight, you got one of these little things. Smooth. Yeah, if you can get that for me. I appreciate that. Y'all give it up for Y'all give it up for right now. Yeah. Listen, we want to give you opportunities. We want to give you opportunities to serve in ministry. Many of you already serve in middle school children's ministry. You serve on uh, Thursday nights for the, for the high school at 12 Stone now. Not the point anymore, high school at 12 Stone. You serve in this ministry. And the reason, and we, we want to give these things out because we want to give you the opportunity to serve. We don't want you just to come to be a consumer. Now listen, if you're just checking things out, you're spiritually unresolved, and, and you're, this is your first time order, this isn't for you. This is for the people who, uh, who come every week, people who are here serving or are a part of this ministry. Maybe you've been here for six months. Maybe you've been here for a year, and you're not connected to serving anywhere. You can serve in middle school ministry on Wednesday nights. You can serve in middle school ministry on Sunday. You can serve in children's ministry on Sunday. You can serve on the greeter team on Sunday morning in our church. And you can also serve in our high school ministry on a calling team, on a greeter team here, on the tech team, on the worship team. And was that not a freaking awesome night of worship tonight that we had? Yes. And uh, you can serve in those areas. This is what I want you to do. You, uh, you can check two because what happens is we get these things back and we got like 40 checks on them. I mean, there's only eight blanks. Why is there 40 checks on there? Anyways. Only check two, two areas that you would like to serve in. If you're already serving in an area, uh, don't, don't check a, a, a different area. Don't check. Just, just stay where you're at. Don't f even fill this thing out. If you're already serving in middle school children or whatever, because we don't want to double go after people. But, uh, but if you're here and you want to serve in a ministry, we want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to have the band come up. And they're going to close this out tonight. Now listen. 
Listen real quick. Just focus in real quick. As the band plays tonight, this next song, and Austin's going to come up and close us in some announcements at the end. As the band plays tonight, man, listen, I want you to do this. I want you to go ahead and fill out that card. I want you to, to, to kind of hang on to it, and, uh, and, and we'll take it up when you leave tonight. Make sure you give it to us. Don't leave it at your seat. Don't throw it away. Make sure you give it to us. Fill that card out and give that to us. But listen, I want you to be thinking about and praying about tonight during this last song who you are going to be inviting this next week to the to high school at 12 song for the back to school bash. For some of you, for some of you, it's going to be a bold ask. It's going to be a bold ask because it's going to be someone that you know is going to probably say no. But listen, pray and ask God. Pray and ask God to move in their hearts and watch what God does. Watch what God does. It's not in your hands. It's in His. God, I want to pray over these students tonight. I pray, Father, that we would just be on mission in everything we do. God, what a good reminder tonight of, of who we are. Just tonight, just to talk about vision about where we're going and about who, what we're about. And God, we are most importantly about you. God, I pray for the student that's in this room tonight, Lord, that has never experienced your love and your grace and your power in their lives. Forget being an infant. They're not even alive yet. They're spiritually dead. God, I just ask that you would be with them tonight. That you would just... Meet them where they're at. God, that you would lay it on their hearts to talk to somebody tonight, to one of the adults, to myself. And God, that they would get that right with you. Or maybe they're not ready for that tonight, but they say, hey, you know what, I, I'm going I'm to come back and I'm going to keep checking this thing out. I want to keep learning more. I'm intrigued. God, I pray that you'd bring them back next week. I pray that they would come with an open heart and an open mind, and I pray that you would, you would reveal yourself to them. And God, there may be students in here who have been wrestling with the decision to step into a life group or a connection group because they're introverted or because they don't feel like they'll connect with the people in the room. And they have so much to add to that connection group and that life group. And that connection group and life group has so much to add to them. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help them to step out of their comfort zone. To step out in faith and say, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it 12 weeks this fall. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to give it everything that I have. I'm going to be consistent. And I want to see what God does. I want to put Derek to the test tonight. God, I want to put you to the test tonight. God, I just pray that you would move in their hearts and their lives in a way that they never have seen in their entire lives. God, I thank you for these students that are in here, Lord. God, we feel the weight of next week on us. We feel the weight of this back-to-school bash. And God, I pray for souls right now. God, I pray for students right now. God, I pray that you would get the word out about back-to-school bash. God, I'm, I'm praying for 600 students here next week. God, I pray that you would bring over 1,000. God, you tell us that you will, give, you will pour out immeasurably more. God, blow our minds, Lord. Help us just to be amazed. Help us to run out of pizza. Help us to run out of snow cone cups next week because we got so many people coming here. But God, nobody will be mad because if you're going to show up that night and they're going to have an experience and an encounter with you that is going to go, that is so much greater and so much more amazing than snow cones and pizza. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you were, were, were not selfish but selfless. That you weren't too busy for us. That you came down and invaded history. You gave your life as a ransom for many, a ransom for me and a ransom for every person in this room so that we could be restored to relationship with you. 
And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.